This is not going to be easy. <clears throat> okay. Episode four in three, two, one. You're listening to Our Game, how the search for a Latino Jackie Robinson turned into something way more complicated. I'm Steve Granato. Today, we're going to talk about Roberto Clemente. This has been the hardest episode for me to make so far, and I didn't think it was going to be. For the past week plus, I have taken a full-on deep dive into this person, trying to learn who he is, how he lived... I listened to other people talk about him, remember him, and I tried to understand who Roberto Clemente was. I have never been more confused about a single person in my whole life. Before diving in, I asked a bunch of people what Roberto Clemente meant to them. The answers range from his legacy to his persona on the field. I'm Julie Alexandria, and I am a sports journalist and field reporter for Major League Baseball, as well as a correspondent on the West Coast for La Vida Baseball. You know, for me personally, having Puerto Rican roots, being of Puerto Rican descent, he means so much to the game of baseball and to Puerto Ricans. My name is Fabian Ordaya, and I'm a staff writer for The Athletic. I'm not Puerto Rican. I, I didn't really grow up talking about Roberto Clemente in my household, but like I knew from time I was like elementary school of just like who he was as a person more so even than he was as a player. My name is Maria Torres and I cover the Angels for the Los Angeles Times. To me, Roberto Clemente is someone who obviously did great things on the baseball field, but who did even greater things for humanity and that's the scope that I always have viewed him in. Ozzie Jr. I'm a host on La Vida Baseball and being Gian. Roberto Clemente, number one, he is a hell of a baseball player. Bad, bad dude. Look at the numbers. Hi, my name is Victor Rojas. I am the uh, television broadcaster for the Los Angeles Angels. He just didn't want everybody to kind of go with the flow and put your head down and not speak up and just, and, and just live with the status quo. That was not okay with him. Let's examine Roberto Clemente, but I want to do it a little differently. Roberto died in a plane crash, but let's not talk about that right now. Let's act like that didn't happen. Let's act like Roberto is still alive today, just living his life out in Puerto Rico, off the radar, not really showing face to the public. Think Michael Jordan before the last dance comes out, showing up to a game here or there, but never really talking to the public. So I want you to forget everything you know about Roberto Clemente. Forget all the stories you've heard, forget his legacy, forget about the award in his name, the MVP, World Series, records, everything. It's gone. Okay. Ready? Here we go. Episode 4 in 3, 2, 1. Thank you.
You're listening to Our Game, how the search for a Latino Jackie Robinson turned into something way more complicated. I'm Steve Granato. I want to tell you about a baseball player today. He was born in 1934. No, not Hank Aaron. This one was born in Carolina, Puerto Rico, to Mother Luisa and Father Melchor. A dark-skinned little kid who had a big old family to go home to. A curious little guy. Independent. Shy. He was never to be rushed. Always pensive in thought. Methodical. Whenever interrupted and asked to do something, he would say, Momentito, momentito. He said it so much, his mom started calling him Moment. Give this kid a ball, and he can't put it down. When I was a little kid, the only thing I used to do was playing ball all the time. With a paper ball, with a roller ball, with a tennis ball. We used to make our own balls and stuff like that. That's him. That's Moment. Moment's parents had to work hard to provide for his big family. They struggled growing up and getting by. But even that the way that we used to live, I was so happy because my brother and my father and my mother, we used to get together at night and we sit down and make jokes and we used to eat whatever we had to eat. And this is something that was wonderful to me. So I grew up with people that really had to struggle to live. This was important to this kid. Seeing how hard the family had to work to make ends meet helped shape his life. My father used to say, I want you to be a good man. I want you to learn how to work. And I want you to be a serious person. Which I grew up with that in my mind. Moment starts getting pretty good at baseball. And he's really into it. Puerto Rico is the hub for good baseball. The Puerto Rican Winter League is premier in the Latin Americas. During segregated baseball, Negro League stars are heading off the mainland to hone their skills alongside the best the island has to offer. Hit on Bithorn, Roy Campanella, Pedro Cepeda, Josh Gibson. But the one Moman likes the most is Monte Irvin. Even though he was terrified of meeting his idol, Irvin eventually grew to know and like this kid, letting him carry his suit bag into the stadium with him so Moman could get into games for free. From age 11 to 15, he fell in love with the game. He became a fine ball player, and by the age of 18, he had made it to the league he grew up watching, playing with the Congrejeros de Santuse. The only knock against this kid is he can't really hit a curveball. But even as a high schooler, Momin is a rare talent, and everyone can see it. It's 1952. The color line has been broken in Major League Baseball. Jackie Robinson has been in the majors for six years, winning Rookie of the Year, MVP, and four All-Star nods at this point. Not even a month into his Santorce career, the Brooklyn Dodgers came knocking for a tryout in November. Here's the scouting report from that tryout. Position, outfield. Age, 18, 5 foot 11, 175 pounds. Bats right, throws right. Name, Clemente, Robert. Arm, A+, plus, good carry, accuracy, A. Fielding, A, good at this stage, reactions, A. Hitting, A, turns head but improving, power, A+. Plus. Running speed, plus, base running, A. Physical condition, well-built, fair size, good agility. Definite prospect? Yes. The Dodgers weren't alone in their liking of Moleman. Toss in the Braves, Cardinals, Red Sox, and Giants. As the gears start turning, he preferred New York, where he already had friends and family. So it came down to either the Giants or the Dodgers. But looming behind the scenes was a grand plan. 
the Giants have a stud center fielder, a 20-year-old hotshot and reigning rookie of the year, Willie Howard Mays. Brooklyn sees the writing on the wall. They can't win if the Giants have Mays, Monte Irvin, and Clemente roaming their outfield. So the thinking in Brooklyn is, well, hell, let's just sign Clemente and hide him. That way the Giants can never get him. So that's what they did. February 19th, 1954. I will sign a contract on behalf of my son, Roberto Clemente, for the season 1954 for the salary of $5,000 for the season, plus a bonus of $10,000 payable on approval of the president of the National Association. I will sign the contract with the Montreal Club of the International League. Signed, Melchor Clemente, father, Roberto Clemente, son. Roberto never got a chance while with the Brooklyn organization. He rode the bench with Montreal. In 154 games, he only played in 87 of them. If you're trying to understand this ball player, now is the time to really start paying attention. Because this experience in Montreal is what creates him. This unjustified withholding is what makes this man who he is. Puerto Rico in the mid-1900s was not a perfect racism-free society but it wasn't even close to what existed in the continental United States. Yes, he was playing in Montreal, but the Brooklyn organization in all of Major League Baseball is ran by white Americans. Even though Jackie is up in the show, not everything is perfect. A mixture of racism, competitive savviness, and probably just some flat-out ignorance held him back. After the 1954 season, Clemente was up for the Rule 5 draft, already pissed off at his first taste of American professional baseball. Lo and behold, guess who's now the general manager of the Pittsburgh Pirates and has the first Rule 5 draft pick? None other than the man who will break the color line, Branch Rickey. Rickey knew everyone in the Dodgers organization after years working there. All efforts to hide Clemente from scouts and executives was impossible. Rickey knew who he was, and he knew what to do. A first overall selection and $4,000 later the Pirates had a new right fielder. Branch Rickey's kid by the same name told the press that day, he can run and throw, and we think he can hit. Let's flat out say it, the Pirates sucked. 1951, 61 wins, 90 losses. 1952, 42 wins, 112 losses. 1953, 50 wins, 104 losses. 1954, 53 wins, 101 losses. They hadn't finished above second to last in the league in eight of the previous nine seasons. Ricky was tasked with tearing down and rebuilding. A five-year plan included Roberto. He was a major piece to the puzzle. Spring training was in Fort Myers, Florida. Momin got his first taste of American segregation. Different hotels, different restaurants... The only time white and players of color saw each other was on the field. This, among other things, didn't sit well with Roberto. I talked to some of the Latin players, which at that particular time they was in the, in, the, in the major league, and they told me, Roberto, you better keep your mouth shut because you know they will ship you back. I said, I don't care one way or the other. If I'm good enough to play here, I have to be good enough to be treated like the rest of the players. 
So I don't want to be put in the bathroom because I came here from Puerto Rico. I want to be right there in front of everybody. And this is something that uh, from the first day I said to myself, I represent the, the common people of America, so I'm going to be treated as a Puerto Rican or nothing like that. I want to treat like any person that comes for a job, no matter who he is or what kind of a race or color he is, if he does the job, he should be treated like, like white. Roberto didn't get off to a great start in his major league career. It took a while to get adjusted. He wasn't bad by any stretch. It just wasn't jump off the page good. During his first five seasons, he batted 289 with 26 total home runs, averaging about 56 RBIs a year. But racism in Major League Baseball was alive and well. Baseball writers at the time were mostly white men and only English speaking. We'll have a whole episode dedicated to the baseball press, but this is what we'll say for now. Roberto didn't like how he was treated, and he had reason to feel that way. When quoted for newspaper articles, he's quoted phonetically. Journalistically speaking, the correct way to quote someone is to quote someone in good faith. If they make a small grammatical error, you fix it for them based on the context of the story. You take everything in context and make a rational decision on what someone says. This was not the case for Roberto. Clemente was quoted like this. I get heat. I feel good. Spelling hit, H-E-E-T. He would also get quoted with the word if, spelled E-E-F, to sound like EF. Unlike other Latinos before him, Clemente wouldn't take it lying down. Here's Pirates play-by-play voice at the time, Bob Prince. He would say what he wanted to say. Whatever was on his mind, he said it. And sometimes it led to uh, some bitter thoughts with regard to the media. Well, I am very outspoken. I, I, I say when I feel something, uh, not only about me, or I feel something that uh, is injustice uh, toward my teammate or somebody else, I want to say something about it. And in the past, I didn't have the best relation with the uh, sport writers. Part of the problems he had with the press came because of how honest he was with them. Before his big league career started, he had been in a car accident in December of 1954. The accident injured his neck and spine, creating problems that he would deal with for the rest of his life. When he played baseball, he was doing it, and he was being very honest and very sincere about it. And as a result of that, I think that had a lot to do with uh, how the press took to him. That's Hall of Fame teammate Willie Stargell talking. Roberto, he felt if someone asked him how he felt, he was being honest with them. And he would tell them that his back or his leg or whatever was bothering him. And, and they felt that he was complaining all the time. But in all reality, he was being very sincere about how he felt. Uh, but in, even more so, he went out and played with the, uh, the problems that he had. He, he, he clearly indicated that he had problems, but he did not ever say, that, hey, I don't want to play. Those injuries he had caused him to miss nearly 130 games in those first five years. We've touched on something in past episodes, but it's time we address this head-on. Names. My name is Stephen Ignacio Granado. My father's name is Stephen George Granado. I am not Stephen Jr., I am also not Steven. I go by Steve, like my dad. I pronounce my last name Granado. All my family does. 
we should probably be saying Granado, but we say Granado. This is how we pronounce our name. This is how we identify and portray ourselves to the rest of the world. No one should be allowed to take that away. A name is your identity. I asked Ozzy Guillen Jr. about this, who is obviously named after his dad, former major leaguer and White Sox manager Ozzy Guillen. Ozzy is not Ozzy's name. His name is Oswaldo. My name is Oswaldo. The only Ozzy, legal Ozzy in my family is my son. I think that if my name wouldn't have been something as cool as Ozzy, I might have been gone back and said, no, my name is Oswaldo. Um, but then again, my dad's one of the most controversial, outspoken individuals, but he goes by Ozzy. I think that it's up to the person to decide that if you're okay with what name you want to be called. But I think that it is something, I think that is something that we never thought about it. And, you know, Mini Minoso went by Mini Minoso, but his name was not Mini Minoso. Mini Minoso's name is actually Santornino Orestes Armas Minoso Arieta, but wanted to be called Orestes. One of the guys Clemente watched growing up, hit on Bithorn, was not called that in the States. They called him Hiram. Vic Power is not Vic Power. He's Victor Peyot. He had to go by Power because people made fun of his name. A sports writer changed Cuban Dodger Sandy Amoros to Sandy Amoros to use his name as a joke in the song That's Amore. Think today, too. Giancarlo Stanton was called Mike Stanton for years. He changed it while in school so kids wouldn't make fun of him. His middle name is Mike. And remember Esteban Bellan, who we talked about a few episodes ago, the first Cuban professional player? Go Google him right now. Google E-S-T-E-B-A-N-B-E-L-L-A-N. What comes up? Steve Bayan. Roberto Clemente couldn't escape this problem either. After two years listed as Roberto Clemente, including his rookie card, his 1957 Topps baseball card reads Bob Clemente. So does the one in 1958. And 59. 60. 61. 62. 63. 64. 65. 66. 67. 68. And 69. Topps changed it in 1970 to read Roberto. press is calling him Bobby, Robbie, Bob. Even that first Brooklyn scouting report said Robert Clemente. Roberto Clemente stood up and said, hey man, this is not my name. And that's cool. That's because if you did it to somebody else, they would, they would do the same thing. And you should have that right. Clemente had been misunderstood, misrepresented, and underappreciated. Yes, granted, a slow starting career on a team that hadn't done much in his first five seasons. But by 1960, that's squashed. He's coming to his own, a World Series champion in 1961, perennial all-star. This dude can hit. He's got a hell of an arm. He's still not hitting home runs left and right. He never does. But there's few things on the field that he can't do. Here's Willie Stargell again. I see so much. I see dramatics. I see comedy. I see uh, excitement. He was very sincere about playing the game of baseball. He took an awful lot of pride in perfecting all the ins and outs of, of everything. That, I mean, every minute detail he was concerned about. He liked to use foul line to foul line. If a guy was throwing exceptionally hard, he wouldn't try and pull him. He would hit the ball where it's pitched and could hit it as hard as anyone to the opposite field. And when he, when he pulled the ball, he could pull it and hit it as far as anyone. But here's where I want to offer an alternative look at this baseball player. 
This is the part of the human that made me the most confused. When I learned this, I'll be honest with you. I did not like him. This guy has a temper. His complaining about the press can get over the top sometimes. Sometimes his grievances seem unjustified. In 1964, Clemente was in the midst of some tough times. He recently had recovered from malaria, another ailment that he was honest about with the press. Tons of travel after a pretty decent start, things were unraveling for the Pirates. On May 5th, new manager Harry Walker benched Clemente, then told the press he was fatigued, but said that Stan Musial and Ted Williams would play when they weren't feeling good. Clemente got pissed. He said to a reporter, casually loudly for everyone to hear, quote, I want to be traded from this club, and I don't want to play for this manager anymore. He then got up and even louder said, Put what I said in your goddamn newspaper. The headline on the Post-Gazette the next morning read, Clemente, irked, says, Trade me. A year later, in May of 1965, things turned worse. The Pirates are in Philly. After the game, fans are asking for autographs outside the Pirates' bus. The fans are jostling for position, trying to get an edge and get something signed. With one foot on the first step of the doorway to the bus, Clemente turned around and socked a 19-year-old right in the face. The kid fell, knocking three of his teeth loose, but not out. A police report was filed. Clemente first said, it might have happened. Then he said, he did it, but he didn't punch that hard. Then said, sorry, once a threat of a lawsuit came. He once kicked an umpire in the Puerto Rican Winter League, breaking the umpire's rib. Like we said earlier, Clemente complained about injuries, or at least he was honest about them. One day, Sandy Koufax pitched well against the Pirates. Roberto went 0 for 4. Koufax was pitching injured, complaining about his arthritic elbow. Clemente told the press, quote, So are my foot. He couldn't pitch like that if it hurt very bad, end quote. He wasn't being ironic. The guy who had a reputation of complaining about injuries was discrediting the guy who said he was playing injured. He didn't get along too great with some managers. There were also some rumblings that he wasn't much of a leader. Being a player of darker complexion, some black players thought they could confide in him. Clemente apparently didn't pay much attention to them, electing to only console Latin players, even though he too had faced injustices based on the color of his skin. By 1961... Clemente became a pivotal part of the Pittsburgh Pirates and their run to a World Series title. All-star selections, gold gloves, a few batting titles, and a highly coveted MVP award in 1966 that he felt he should have been awarded for years prior. He seemed to now start feeling at ease with who he was and became a more accommodating leader. He wasn't as hard-pressed about things. He could joke around more. He was calmer. After a couple of bad seasons, that's bad for the Pirates, not Roberto, the team began returning to glory again. As career numbers continued climbing, it all came to a head in 1971. You know, George, when you talk about Roberto and, and his hitting exploits, um, a lot of people really didn't get a chance to see him until 1971 World Series. How did he play in the World Series against the Orioles? George, that was Roberto's moment of glory because the entire world watched the 1971 World Series. The Pirates were underdogs in a World Series in 1960 against the New York Yankees, but prevailed in seven games. And on the world stage once again, but this time as a leader, 
Clemente led a seven-game sprint over the favored Baltimore Orioles. The now 37-year-old batted 4-14 with two homers, two doubles, a triple, and three runs scored. He became the first Latino ball player to win World Series MVP. And here with me right now, the greatest right fielder in the game of baseball, Roberto Clemente. Bobby, congratulations on a great World Series. Thank you, Bob. And before I say anything in English, I would, I would like to say something for my mother and father in Spanish. En el día más grande de mi vida, para los nenes, la bendición mía y que mis padres me echen mi bendición en Puerto Rico. In the most important day of my life, I give blessings to my boys and ask that my parents give their blessing. There's the World Series MVP speaking Spanish on American television in 1971. 89 years earlier, catcher Vincent Nava was being marketed as an oddity. But here's the best right fielder in baseball on the biggest stage speaking Spanish. Roberto had one last milestone to achieve, September 30th, 1972. Two balls and two strikes to Roberto Clemente. Here's the pitch on a shot into the gap in left center. This will be in for a base hit, maybe extra base hit. No question about this one, a double for Clemente. His 3,000 hit, and the ballpark just goes wild as Roberto Clemente becomes the 11th man in baseball history to collect 3,000 base hits. Roberto Clemente is the most complicated person for so many reasons. He visited children in the hospital during his playing days. He was an amateur carpenter and studied wood grains so he knew exactly what kind of bats he wanted. He told his wife Vera all the time how he wanted to start a sports city for the kids of Puerto Rico. He once bought a monkey. He taught himself how to play the organ. He got a hit in every single World Series game he ever played in. That's 14 games. He was an insomniac. He had nightmares about plane crashes. He said he knew he was going to die young. We can't pretend anymore. Roberto did die in a plane crash. He wanted to oversee emergency deliveries to Nicaraguan earthquake victims. He had to go because the corrupt government was reportedly stealing supplies. He shouldn't have gotten on that plane on New Year's Eve 1972. No, really, he shouldn't have gotten on that plane. The pilot was exhausted. He shouldn't have gotten on that plane. The plane was in bad shape and wasn't ready to fly. Why did you get on that plane? They overloaded it by 4,000 pounds. Don't get on the plane. The engineer had zero formal training. Why did you get on the plane? The guy who owned the plane nearly got his license taken away multiple times. Don't get on the plane. Don't get on the plane. For the love of God, don't get on the plane. But he did. All they found was his briefcase and one sock. There's so many things about Roberto Clemente that don't make sense. I don't understand him at all. Is Roberto Clemente the Latino Jackie Robinson? Hell no. He's himself and only himself. He's not Bobby. He's not Robbie. He's not Bob. He's Roberto. 
Stay tuned for a preview of next week's episode. Thank you to Julie Alexandria, Ozzy Guillen Jr., Maria Torres, Fabian Ardaya, and Victor Rojas for speaking with me. You'll be hearing from them in the coming episodes. Make sure to check out La Vida Baseball, Maria's work in the LA Times, and Fabian's work in The Athletic. They're all extremely talented people. Support Victor Rojas's business, Big Fly Gear. He has some really cool apparel. I've linked his shop in the show notes. Information and sound clips for this episode come from the book Clemente, The Passion and Grace of Baseball's Last Hero by David Moranis. OldSportsCards.com Beyond Baseball, The Life of Roberto Clemente Bleacher Report Roberto Clemente, A Touch of Royalty MLB Advanced Media The LA Times Uproxx Heavy.com Sports Illustrated WPXI and Baseball Reference Our theme song and original music are produced by Alex Schmitten. You can support our work by going to anchor.fm slash Podcast and clicking support. Every little bit helps. Tell your friends and family about the show and subscribe on your favorite podcasting app and rate us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you to everyone who already has. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Podcast. We post pictures, videos, and other materials that pertain to every single episode. You also get sneak peeks of the following week's episode. You can follow me on Twitter too. That's at Steve Granado. Next time on Our Game. Here's three stories you should know but haven't heard about. He's into Mexican, Cuban, Venezuelan, Dominican, and in Cooperstown. More than 150 black players from the U.S. went to play in the Mexican League. El Rey de los Deportes, the king of the sports. Good afternoon, baseball fans. This is George Bryson with Bob Neal. Welcome you to the 1963 All-Star Baseball Game.